Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Thank you, Miss Ginger. Indeed, indeed. I was sitting there thinking about, my goodness, if there's music that beautiful here on earth, imagine what the music in heaven is going to be like. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue on in our journey through the wonderful book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 21. We've uh, come to the part of the year where we're soon to celebrate Easter, and this is known as Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. It's also in the scripture referred to as the triumphal entry, the triumphal entry where the Lord Jesus Christ is entering into the city of Jerusalem. So uh, Matthew chapter 21 and beginning at verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly, and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, O Lord, for your great love. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the blessing of life. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin and the gift of salvation. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a faithful, loving, and trustworthy God, worthy of all praise and honor and glory. And as we study your word today, we pray that you will speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Illuminate our understanding, touch our hearts, and empower our lives to lift up praise to the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus is the fulfillment, if you will, of the promises of Scripture, because the Scripture is all about Him. The Bible begins and ends with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Lordship. Now, in ancient times, conquering kings would, would return home, and they'd have this grand parade you know, the pomp and the circumstance. And usually, they would come riding on their horse into the city, you know, to the, all of the shouts and to the praise of their citizens, etc. Or they might be riding, you know, on a, a horse-drawn um, chariot. All of this pomp and circumstance. And together with that, arrogance and pride. Because they were mighty because they were able to defeat their, their enemy. And Jesus comes, the Bible says, on a donkey and it's cold. Because a donkey and it's cold symbolize peace and humility. Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace to the city of Jerusalem. But the Bible also tells us that when he came, to Jerusalem, that he wept. He wept over Jerusalem. And you can read of that in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. The time spoken of of Daniel, in the book of Daniel. The time when the Messiah would be revealed to the nation of Israel. And because of the, the misleading of the religious leaders of the time, they didn't recognize neither the time nor the Savior, Jesus, who had come to them. But notice that Jesus gives instructions to two disciples, and he gives them very specific instructions. So if you ever are in a position where you're managing or leading others and you, you know, are one that needs to give commands or directions, be very specific and ensure that they understand 
what the task is. And you see, Jesus is very specific. And then he says, if anybody questions what you're doing, all you need to do is mention that the Lord has need of them. You see, as, as Messiah, as Savior, as Lord, as King of kings and Lord of lords, he has the right to ask anything from anyone. He has the right. And he says, all you need to say if they question you is, the Lord has need of them. And they'll let you take them. And then the scripture goes on to say that it might be fulfilled. You see, it was prophesied by Zechariah the prophet. And you can read that over in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. It says this word for word, that he will come lowly, that is humbly, because he is the prince of peace. He is the example of godly humility and truth servant. And notice the disciples go off and they complete the task. They fulfill the task and they're faithful. Now each one of us has a task to complete. We have a role that we need to fulfill. In our Sunday school lesson this morning in, uh, in the Gospel of John where Jesus was teaching that, that the, the Father prunes us and he refers to the Father as the Master. He is the Master Gardener, if you will. Because pruning really is an art, a science. Because if you, if you don't know what you're doing, you can kill the plant, right? Or the rose bush or the tree. You can prune too much off. And even sometimes when you know what you're doing, you can still do that. We had this beautiful, beautiful uh, apricot tree in our yard in the back. It was huge, huge. <laughs> and I pruned it just a little too much. And uh, after about a week, that thing was hanging like this. And before you know it, it just completely died. It withered and died. Yeah. And we've never been able to replace that tree. <laughs> But we all have a task, we have a, a ministry, a role that we play in God's kingdom. And we bear responsibility for fulfilling that task or those tasks, that specific role or ministry. You say, well, what task or, or ministry do I have? Yes, we all have a ministry. The ministry of prayer. Now, we mentioned earlier, we're going to have our first initial meeting for the church prayer ministry. How about visitation? I was so encouraged this week, I, I, I got some distressing news first from Miss Sandy Exley telling me that, um, that Chris was over at the emergency room and then was going to be uh, going over to the hospital. But then she went on to say, but Anita and, um, and she and Bianca were all taking care of Chris. You see, that's a ministry. That's a ministry to be there, to be there for people 
caring for them and helping them. And then this morning, to share with you, Brother Marlin, he said, you know, I, I, I want to make an announcement. And I think this might be a good time for you to make that announcement, Brother Marlin. You want to stand up and go ahead and say it? Oh, you can sit and say it. See, that's a ministry. That is a ministry. That is what God's people are supposed to be doing. And I, I thank you for, for doing that, for Brother Marlon and Miss Carol, and for one another. Helping, maybe just setting things up or putting things away. Every task is important in God's kingdom. I recall the, the first actual uh, paid position that I had serving in the church was as the church's landscape, taking care of the grounds. And then the, uh, the custodian quit, so I said, well, I can do that too. <laughs> they started questioning whether I could when I put the wrong wax on the floor one day. And on that Sunday morning, all these, you know, pretty little girls came in with their fancy dresses and they were slipping and sliding. <laughs> oh boy, you know, I got a mouthful then. <laughs> but whatever the task, whatever the responsibility, whatever the role, the Bible says we're to do it as unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. But the Lord Jesus Christ is worshipped as he comes in to the city of Jerusalem. And notice that the disciples and the people, that they place clothing and tree branches or palm fronds on the roadway. Now, this is the week of Passover. Just in case you didn't know, Jesus was crucified during Passover week because he is the Passover lamb. You see, all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, or um, the, the, uh, the Tanakh, if you will, that our Jewish brothers and sisters refer to the Old Testament as the Tanakh, all of the sacrifices were foreshadows of the ultimate sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb, the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ. We are all blood-bought sinners. And just like in Egypt, 
As the angel passed through, wherever the blood was, they were passed over. The blood had to be on that cross member and on the doorposts. And within was a family trusting in God's grace, trusting in God's goodness, trusting in God's love. And they were eating the Passover, Seder, a land without spot and without blemish. And Jesus is our Passover lamb. Humble sacrifice. We, uh, we take it for granted. We have many different, you know, changes of clothing in our closets. As a matter of fact, one of the complaints for, I think, for some ladies and perhaps for some men is they don't, they don't give you enough closet space in these, in these homes that they build these days, right? There, there isn't enough closet space and there isn't enough storage <laughs> for all of our stuff. But in ancient time, these people generally... They might have one, one outfit that they wore until that thing wore out. They might have one exchange of clothing, but you see what they do? They take off the, the, the clothing and they place it on the ground. Humble, sacrificial worship of the Lord. And they cry out, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Now, just a little word study on, on Hosanna, which is the English equivalent to the, to the, to the Greek, which is a, a translation from the Hebrew, Hoshianu, Hoshiana, or Yasha, which actually means save us. That's what that word actually means. Save us, O Lord. But in time, it... it was used in adulation or adoration or even as a prayer and a praise to God. He is our salvation and that's what Jesus' name is. Yeshua, God is salvation. Hosanna to the son of David. And that's taken directly from Psalm 118. <coughs> Verse 25. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And whenever, whenever the word blessed or blessed is used with respect of the direction from humans to God, it is a word of praise. A word of praise. We are praising and exalting the name of the Lord. And that again is taken from Psalm 118 and verse 26. Hosanna in the highest. Grateful worship. Recognizing, acknowledging, and recognizing and praising Him as the promised Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Lord. And then, as they come into the city, this multitude is following them. And we said that this is Passover week, so a multitude of people are coming from all over Israel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And many of these people are aware of who Jesus is. They heard him teach and preach. They experienced healing. Many of them within the crowd were those who had come to know him as their Lord and Savior and had been 
had been healed by him, had been touched in a very special way by him. But yet there were people within Jerusalem who didn't know who he was. And so they asked the question, who is this? Who is this? All the city was moved or stirred. And you'll recall that over in Matthew uh, chapter 2, when the, the wise men come seeking he who was born king of the Jews, it says there in the scripture that, that Herod and the rest of the city were moved. They were stirred. This idea that there was a king, a king being born. And he went and called for the scholars, the priests, and the scribes. And as they searched the scripture. And isn't it interesting that they didn't bother to go and find this one who was born king of the Jews. But in that very same way they were moved. Now what did Herod actually do when he found out that there was a king being born? He sought to put him to death. You'll recall, and you can read in the scripture, where he, he sent out his soldiers. And every child from two years old and under, he had slaughtered in an effort to kill this one who was born king of the Jews. And at the end of the week, what do you suppose is going to happen? Well, this is the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry prior to the crucifixion. And many within that crowd, many within the, the multitude are going to be crying out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Who are on this day proclaiming, Oh, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. The excitement surrounding Jesus created uncertainties among many people. His birth, his life, his ministry, teaching, preaching, healing, raising people from the dead. We, we read how that when he, he raised Lazarus from the dead, many of the religious leaders took the position that now, now did they not only have to kill Jesus, they had to kill Lazarus too. And why? Because he was a living example of the power of Christ over death. <coughs> Excuse me. The multitude responds, This is Jesus, the prophet, the prophet promised by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. It's all there. This is Jesus, the prophet, the Savior promised in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 53, he would give his life a sacrifice for the sins of his people. This is Jesus, the one who was promised all through the Old Testament. He has come. He's been revealed to his people. But there, Jesus weeps. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her brood, but you would not. And then he says, not one stone will be left upon another. 
And that day came in 70 AD when the Romans came through and destroyed Jerusalem. The multitude. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And you'll recall that, that question that was asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And why? Because Nazareth was, or Nazareth was you know, a poor, poor city, community of mixed breed people. And so they were looked upon as unimportant, undesirables. But notice, as we move on, when the Lord Jesus Christ is worshipped, lives are stirred. Amen? When Christ is worshipped, lives are stirred, moved, empowered. We are to be a worshipping people. We are to be a people that find it easy and joyful to worship our Lord and Savior. And we ought to do it all the time. You can never over-worship the Lord. He deserves our worship. Turn with me to, uh, to Acts. Acts chapter 4. Quickly there. Acts chapter 4. Uh, beginning at verse 23. Now, Peter and John had been arrested because they'd been preaching the gospel. Right? They'd been preaching in Jesus' name, and, and so they were arrested, etc., etc., beaten, and all kinds of other things. But then, uh, verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The place where they were praying and worshiping God began to shake. And when was the last time your life was stirred by the power of God? When was the last time you were stirred? When was the last time you were touched? Notice what it says as we go back here now. <clears throat> we know who we worship. Where does that come from? That comes from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, where Jesus is, is he's interacting with this woman at the well. And he says, we worship whom we know. And we, as God's children, we worship who we know. 
And who is he? He is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is the only Savior. There is no other Savior. He is the only Messiah. There is no other one. And the day is coming when Christ will return. And the Bible says that when he returns, and he returns to the Mount of Olives there in Israel, and the people are going to see these marks in his hands, and, and, it, and they're going to say, what are those wounds? And the reply is, these are the wounds that I receive in the house of my And the Bible says they're going to weep and weep and weep. Why? Because they're going to realize that all of this time, he was in fact the Messiah. And they, their forefathers had rejected him. We know who we worship. And it's by God's Holy Spirit that we are able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is that question again. When was the last time you were moved or stirred? Now we looked at Psalm 100 on, on Wednesday. You know, it begins, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Right? And it goes through. And he is our Creator. He is the one who has made us. Not we ourselves. We are the, the sheep of his pasture. We're to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with, with praise. Amen? We are to worship him. We're to love him. We're to adore him. We are to praise him and praise him and acknowledge him. And when we do, things happen. I think we have time. Turn to Psalm 150. Let's, let's read Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Notice what it says here. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God's people are to be praising the Lord. Amen. I, I uh, uh, spoke with uh, Miss uh, Vivian, Miss Vivian Foley, uh, this Wednesday, and we were talking about a, a man by the name of Jack French. Jack French was the owner of KILA Christian Radio that used to play here many, many years ago. And uh, he would always end his program by saying, Praising the Lord! Praising the Lord! <laughs> and um, he, was a, he was a fabulous, fabulous man. But God's people are to be those who praise the Lord. Now, Jesus makes all the difference. Humble hearts focused on God. Now, you know, some people go to church so that they can feel good. And of course, it's better to feel good than to feel bad, right? I would rather feel good than most. 
But praising God is not about us. It's about Him. You see, the emphasis, when Jesus came in and the people were worshiping, they were worshiping Him. They weren't doing that to make themselves feel good. You understand? They were worshiping, they were acknowledging, they were praising God. So what do we learn from these passages? Our Lord Jesus Christ fulfills Scripture. He fulfills Scripture. You know, uh, mathematicians and, and, and others, they've uh, gone through and they've, they've put together various mathematical um, equations to look at the probabilities and I think I've mentioned this a few years ago, uh, the probabilities are that one person, that one life, could fulfill all of the various promises and prophecies that were made in the Old Testament the way that Jesus fulfilled them. is like umpteen number of billion to the trillion all the way out. A number that you can't even really conceive of. They said, mathematically, it would be impossible for one person to fulfill all of that the way that it was fulfilled, yet he, he did it. And yet there are still people who refuse to acknowledge him. People who refuse to surrender their lives to him. Jesus Christ, the Lord, fulfills scripture. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is worthy of praise. His presence stirs things up, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of other people. They become real uncomfortable. You get a bunch of Christians together and they're praying, people begin to get a little uncomfortable. I think I mentioned to you, Miss Bianca was in the, in the hospital and she was praying and reading her Bible uh, there in the room with her mother and a nurse came and said, you can't, you can't do that here. <laughs> She's a little, little uncomfortable. And then a little while later, another nurse came in and, and prayed with her. <laughs> but we're going to end here. Now notice, we're to be bold, not obnoxious. Christians are, should never be obnoxious. We're, we're not called to be obnoxious people. We're called to be joyful people, proclaiming the name of our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a privilege we have. So we're going to end by reading from the book of Revelation. And you notice I said Revelation with an M at the end, not an S. It's not Revelations, okay? It's the book of Revelation. It's one revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen? So let's stand and turn to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to read as we bring our time to an end. Revelation chapter 5. And I'm going to begin at verse 6, actually. And I look, this is John the Apostle. And I look, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. 
Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and people and nation, and has made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign upon the earth. Then I looked and heard the voices of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say, Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised, worthy to be worshipped, worthy of our trust. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's the Lord's invitation to you to make that decision that he's laying upon your heart. And so we're going to sing. Don't wait until the song is over. Make your decision today. To give your heart, your life to the Lord. Miss Ginger. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.